0: What is up guys? It is the Blue Bloods and we're coming at you with another episode today and it continues our Big Ten and 31 Days theme and we're joined by someone who I think probably has very little time to sleep based on everything he does. I mean he's a sports anchor, play-by-play broadcaster for Learfield IMG College Ohio State Radio Network and the voice of Ohio State Baseball and Women's Basketball along with being the sideline reporter for Ohio State Football Matt Andrews is joining us today. So I just wanted to say I appreciate you taking your time out of your schedule to come on here.
1: Zach, happy to. I hope you all are doing well. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot going on, but it's better to be more going on now than where we were a few months ago with, with hardly anything going on and very little travel right now. So that's actually a really good time.
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully everything starts kind of picking back up. I know a report came out yesterday that a lot of the SEC programs were looking to have full stadiums this fall. Promising, but we'll see kind of what goes on with the vaccine and the outlook for COVID, but – Let's start with this hectic season that you were just speaking of for Ohio State, the Big Ten, the entire country. The Buckeyes make a national championship run, come up a game short against Alabama, but in terms of what you were expecting from Justin Fields and this team, did this season exceed, fall short of, or meet your preseason expectations?
1: Well, obviously they would have loved to have won one more game. Aside from all of that, With the, in my opinion, lack of Big Ten leadership at the top, with the uncertainty of where we have been in our whole world with everything, I think this was a season for Ohio State fans and for football fans in the Buckeye State that exceeded expectations. Now, had they lost that semifinal game to Clemson, we'd probably be talking about something different. Um, But getting that monkey off the proverbial back, you know – Woody Hayes didn't beat Clemson. Irvin Meyer didn't beat Clemson. Ryan Day failed once, got it done this time. So that was big. That was big, um, you know, for Ohio State fans. Uh, The Alabama game, obviously, is a different story. But just to get to the season, look, I don't think the Big Ten was going to play football this year. You remember the nonsense they were talking about, we're going to have a spring season. Well, that would have been now. Help but when they realized that the SEC, that the Big 12, that the ACC, they weren't budging from their stands. They were going to play. Kevin Warren had some mud on his face in terms of the decision that was made, as hastily as it was, and then would not be revisited. Well, we revisited immediately. Within, well, immediately being within a few weeks. So. Just uh, there was a lot of pressure here. Obviously, they knew the kind of team they had. Buckeye fans wanted to see this team. You mentioned Justin Fields. Justin Fields exceeded my expectations in two years here. I knew he was a good quarterback. Obviously, we knew what he he was uh, recruited to do at Georgia, transferred to Ohio State. But I I really enjoyed him. I don't understand right now we're kind of in this weird world of the NFL where people are now questioning all of a sudden – why he wasn't at a different level. Well, the receivers around open, he threw in the ball. You know, he had a two bad games in two years, and he won both of those games. Let's not forget that. I mean, the pass he made against Clemson in the semifinals two years ago was a ball thrown to the spot. The receiver turned the other way. The game against Indiana here, Ohio State and Columbus this past year, he didn't play well. They won the game. The game in, uh, in Indianapolis versus Northwestern, they won the game. He didn't. He really didn't play well. That's the Trey Sermon record game. So, uh, really impressed with what he was able to do. Thought he and Ryan Day were a good fit. Buckeye fans always want more. They wanted that one over Bama. There's no doubt who won that game the better team. Uh, but this is an Ohio State team and and, and a program at Ryan Day. I think that has picked up very nicely from where Urban Meyer left it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I don't. I, I think we both can agree here that any, any team in the country was going to lose to Alabama that night in the national championship. That team just with Devontae Smith and them. I mean, as an Auburn fan, I saw it firsthand too. But we didn't fare even as well as you guys did. So I know how talented that Bama team was. But I'm really interested in this controversy surrounding the season with the Big Ten. You mentioned Kevin Warren's decision. He releases an all conference schedule. I believe it was six days later. Can't like, decides to postpone the season, says they won't be revisited. We see Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio State, a lot of these schools fight back on this decision. I mean, there were reports of Nebraska leaving. We just covered Nebraska yesterday. Apparently, it wasn't that serious, but it was, they were going to play football. What were your thoughts on the decision by Kevin Warren and was Ohio State going to fight behind the scenes to play football if he didn't reverse course?
1: Well they were fighting behind the scenes to play football and I think uh, and we saw one of the players and parents come out and speak about it. You mentioned Nebraska uh, and then what Iowa was was uh, was was doing was was tremendous and helping get the sport. And a lot of it had to do, I know, polit- politics right now, political stay- stays by governors. A lot of it had to do with that, um, but but I think when the decision was made, to as you mentioned, just days after nuke the season, they thought everybody was going to follow him. Well, that didn't happen, and and there were, and I was doing a lot of fill in on our morning show, Morning Juice, which just actually launched that summer, this past summer, and. The talk was nonstop. Bobby Carpenter is on our flagship, former Buckeye player, does some work with ESPN. Advocate. Every morning, it just was nonstop. And the thing that bothered Ohio State people, I think, was the transparency of it all. Well, if you're voting this way, let's hear it and hear it why. And then he makes a statement, Warren makes a statement, doesn't want to revisit it, and then goes silent for weeks. That's what frustrated the people here because they knew what kind of football team they had. I think once we saw the Michigan schools kind of get on board of we're ready to play, Penn State was a little bit vocal. There was some uncertainty with other schools, Wisconsin. But ultimately, they go to these presidents again, and they realized that that this was what they had to do and play the season. And they gave themselves no wiggle room with the schedule, which obviously was very controversial. Look, by the initial parameters of the season, Ohio State wasn't even going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship game. Remember, two weeks before, the decision was reversed to allow the team that was going to be the possible entrant into the playoff play in that Northwestern game. Look, credit Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald obviously now has signed the longer deal at Northwestern. He's perfect for that school. And they played Ohio State very tough. I was not – no, we didn't travel to any of these football games. The one, the one event we have traveled to, believe it or not, football hoops – Since this all started on our radio team, I was actually in the state of Ohio driving to Cleveland to cover the Ohio State men on Big Ten Championship Saturday when the football team played. So I had the Ohio State UCLA Hoops game, didn't get to watch or be a part of the Northwestern game and have Indianapolis, which my broadcast partners, Paul Keels, Jim Lachey, Skip Mossick. We're calling from the studio in the basement of the Schottenstein Center, the basketball arena in Columbus. So it was a really wacky day. That's the only, again, the only road game we've gone to because it was in the state of Ohio and we were permitted to travel in state. But uh, we didn't go to the Big Ten championship game. There was nobody from us represented at the Sugar Bowl. We call that virtually. And the same goes for the national championship game. So it's been, it's been uh, a pandemic full of not only a lot of Big Ten stuff, but we've had to change a lot of how we do. So uh, very, very frustrating at times, very understandable, and, uh, and just a chance now for us to hopefully move forward in a number of these areas, whether it be the way the games are broadcast and hopefully the way the Big Ten will view the way they play these next few seasons. I, as you mentioned, I also call baseball games here, and right now I'm not sure we're going to be able to travel even to those. So until this calendar year – I'm sorry, until this school year – Calendar year, so end of May or June, is up. I don't anticipate many changes for the way that the Big Ten has operated with their business.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there was even talk about—I don't know how true it was—but there were Alabama reports when we saw Nick Saban's daughter say Ohio State was going to try to postpone the game, and they were using COVID to heal Justin well, she, Fields. She
1: quickly and, went off Twitter after saying yeah, that. She, to, well, yeah, there, there's that. Yeah, it's yeah a, it, it's I don't a bad know. Take. Look, obviously, Ohio State was down players in the championship game.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I know you all, with your audience, and there's some SEC people probably watching thinking, well, we we had all this stuff too. Well, okay, great, but I, I'm not – like, when did the testing stop? Like, that's the thing with Clemson, you know. Clemson doesn't test three days before the game, yet they show up. And the next thing you know, the game's over and Ohio State's gone home, won the game, and days later they got problems. So – the yeah. Big Ten's protocol and standards, I think, were set totally different. And, again, I get it. That's fine. We're good with it. Not that I agree with it, but it uh, right. it is what it was.
0: Yeah, and, you know, speaking of this narrative, there was a lot of talk about that Ohio State did not deserve a playoff spot. I mean, you heard it. I know the players said that they heard it and that they took it personally. Was there any doubt in your mind that Ohio State deserved a playoff spot? And why do you think – people were so adamant about Ohio State not getting in compared to a team like Texas A&M, Cincinnati, or someone like that.
1: Well, Ohio State hadn't lost their games, and I realized they hadn't played the number of games that A&M had or whatever. But but when you watch the Clemson game, I mean, is there any doubt? Now, on the flip side of that, people would say, well, did you see them play Alabama? That's right, but I'm not sure who was playing Bama well that night. Uh, Now, that that being said, that was also a product problem of Ohio State. Uh, You know, we heard it. We didn't care. We knew if they won their games, they were not going to be left out. Let's face it. A seven or eight, no Ohio state big 10 champion is not going to be left out. You call what you want. It's the brand period. Right. That's just our opinion. That's my opinion. And that's how we saw it here. And, um, and and they took that personal. I mean, this Dabo stuff, when Dabo just wouldn't shut up, Ohio state heard that. And he can say he didn't mean to hack him off or whatever. The reality is he did. And, and, and that bothered this team, and as I feared, this team put a lot into that Clemson win, and had to get up for very, very good Alabama, much better than Clemson Alabama, and that was going to be tough to do, and we saw it. Sure was.
0: It, it it really was, and yeah, Dabo, I had him ranked outside, I believe the top ten, if I'm not mistaken, or something yeah, like that. Him, and
1: he had him outside the ten.
0: It's just, there's it, no it's a, <laughs>
1: there's very little very little logic to me for that, but. To
0: each (laughs) story. It's just Davo. That's what I always chalk it up to on the podcast. It's just Davo. You take it for what it is. But National Signing Day for the 2021 cycle just wrapped up last month the Buckeyes, the number two class in the country. It's an elite class, huge pickups. Jack Sawyer is a grown man at 18 years old. I mean, a defensive end. Trayvon, Trivion Henderson, Kyle McCord, all big pieces. What were your biggest takeaways of this highly, highly touted class? And who do you think you contribute immediately?
1: Well, it's, we've known it was going to be a pretty big class for a while. Uh, And, about four months ago, five months ago, it was rated above Bama, but Bama closed well, and so they get a little bit of the, the nod there at the end. So, again, it's that it's Ohio State-Bama push. You mentioned some of the names, but this class started with Jack Sawyer. Um, Jacks, and I'm not saying he's the, you know, the number one at, at this class, he's the one that kind of helped mold this together and his commitment very early to Ryan Day. Um, I saw the young man play multiple high school games just at Suburban Columbus here. He's going to be a player at Ohio State. Very, very excited, as you mentioned. The other one that I'm very excited to see, and you mentioned McCord, but Travion Henderson to me is going to be, I think, a kid that will come in. And I made some notes earlier just in looking at their depth chart and preparing for this. But I think Henderson's going to be a guy that will commit and immediately push for playing time at running back. Um, Obviously, Master Teague is back for Ohio State. But those are the two to me. Now, obviously, the quarterback battle with uh, Stroud and Miller, who are here, will welcome a court for that. But you got to think that uh, while that will be an open race, the guys that have been here will have a little bit of an inside step. I say that. But, you know, Zach, I'm not real sure about how all of this is going to pan out considering a year ago Ohio State basically did not have a spring. They had right. four practices, so that time missed by those guys last year in spring bowl I think is extremely important for them to try to get some of that back here, and they just announced today they're going to start spring practice March 17th uh, with the – I'm sorry, March 19th with the spring game on April 17th. So we now have a date. We know what they're going to try to do. Let's keep in mind, these kids are going to be tested still. You know, it's not like these tests are gone away. Um right. So so again, and I'm not sure what that looks down in the South. Maybe the protocol is a little different, but uh, that's still very much an, an issue here in terms of the testing.
0: Right. And, you know, looking way into the future, you mentioned a quarterback battle, and it's going to get real complicated next year if things stay the same. I mean, the Buckeyes have the number one recruiting class right now in 2022 as well, and it's led by Quinn Ewers, man. And I've we've talked about him on the podcast, and – this is one of those, I think. It's safe to say, a generational type prospect of a dynasty type quarterback. I mean, he's one of the few prospects that has a perfect grade in two four seven history. How big of a win is this for Ohio State to take a kid out of Texas's back pocket, bring him in when you already have people like CJ Stroud? And what is the buzz around Columbus, around campus, about this kid next season?
1: Well. Obviously, it's still a little bit early in terms of him getting here, but yes, when they got that commitment and the flip, I got to think that kind of was a backbreaker for Texas and Tom Herman at the time. Now, clearly, uh, with Sartre coming in, they've got a new commitment and a five-star as well, but but this this name is big, obviously. This commitment was big. The class is shaping up well. We're seeing incredible depth. Let's not be naive. You can't imagine all these kids in two years to still be on the same roster. And Lord knows how this is all going to go with the transfer portal, which, um, which to me is, is going to be open up, and we've already seen it to this point. We mentioned Fields, obviously, and others, uh, uh, Trey Sermon as well. But this is going to open up a whole nother dimension to me in college football. I had a basketball coach on the record tell me it's already becoming the wild, wild west of college hoops. And I just can't imagine what it's going to be like here when you finally get to a point where you're able to sort down your rosters, you're able to get your recruits in here, you're able to have a, a full year or two, and 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 you're going to have to recruit your own team. I mean, they're just a continuation of recruiting these kids. So to answer your question, the Quinn Ewers, obviously, it's, it's, it's a big get. It's a great get, and I think we've seen what Ryan Day can do with quarterbacks. Uh, there are a number of coaches in the country that are very similar and obviously getting – These higher level players, but um, in terms of recruiting the quarterback, and right now, Ohio State's Brian Hartline recruiting receivers. That's kind of another whole dimension right now for what they're doing recruiting, which has led them to a couple of highly rated classes. I think the thought here, honestly, was that Ohio State might have an issue with recruiting once Urban left. To me, Ryan Day has completely proven that to be false. I, I think that what he's been able to do in cell and sell in this virtual world, look how we're doing this interview. You know, that's right. how I've done interviews with us, with our players as well, for, for a year now. But the way he's getting these recruits who haven't even visited this campus, um, it's it's remarkable to me what he's able to do. And and as you said, it's just kind of – you can kind of see it uh, moving on along. And and that's, that's fun stuff for us here in Columbus.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I was shocked when I saw the commitment – for Quinn, you were when I, when I heard he's going to Ohio State, I was like, just chalk it up. That's a college football playoff team. Immediately, when this kid clicks, if he turns out, and this is one of those prospects like Trevor Lawrence, where I feel like it's he's a almost he's as close to a guarantee as someone like Kurt Herzry has said before about the well, prospect. Zach, let, me,
1: let me throw this out there. I mean, and that's the other thing we see here, and I'm I'm not trying to just ruffle any feathers, but. The recruiting outside of Ohio State in the league, in my opinion, has to get better for them to compete year in and year out for national championships, whether that's Ohio State or not. Um, you know, because the Buckeyes are recruiting at a, at a, I believe, an SEC level, I believe at, 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 a, at a top-tier program level. And I look around and you see Michigan doing it a little bit. And you see Wisconsin a little bit and Penn State a little bit and, Maybe a blue chipper here or there. I will say I'm even shocked. Rutgers is recruiting better, but nobody right now is at the level that they need to be at, in my opinion, to compete year in and year out for the Buckeyes, who have who've won four straight Big Ten titles. So that's just yeah. that's a thought.
0: Oh, I have plenty of thoughts about the rival in the Big Ten. Um, I've been a known, very tough Jim Harbaugh critic. We have time at the end; we could maybe address that a little bit. I've been I've been called out for my Jim Harbaugh takes. I've been calling for his job for a year and a half now. But you know, looking ahead to twenty twenty one, you already mentioned Travion Henderson as a potential guy. But who are some players already on campus that could be potential breakout players next season?
1: Well. Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end, had a really fine year this year. Shocked everybody when he came back. So, so keep an eye on Ruckert. Uh, they're loaded at receiver. They've got everybody back. Olave, Wilson, Smith, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Shockingly, Olave came back. But uh, that is a huge win. Now, clearly, they have confidence whoever the quarterback is going to be, uh, and, and obviously their coach to get them the football. They are Mumford returning at left tackle. I'm not sure if you've seen any of the pro football college fo- uh, pro football focused college rankings, but at tackle Mumford was nearly flawless this year. Feeling is he could have gone pro, didn't coming back. The Buckeyes are going to have him uh, and uh, Nicholas fierre at tackles, two of the best in the Big 10 this year and maybe in all of college football. So those guys coming back. The the, the questions to me are obviously more on the defensive side. We saw the issue they had in terms of uh, defensive backfield and a linebacker against Alabama. They've got another really good defensive front returning, and Haskell Garrett's back, uh, an an All-American. He opts to come back, so that's a huge boost for the Buckeyes. So those are a couple of names. Keep an eye on uh, a young man here out of Columbus at an Orange High School Olden Tangy Orange and Zach Harrison, who played Summit defensive end. He was a really highly recruited young man here. that chose Ohio State over Michigan at the end. But Harrison is a guy that's been a little under the radars first two years. I expect him to have a breakout type of year. And how are they going to handle this at linebacker, losing all three starters? Um, so those are some of the questions, some of the concerns. Who might be that running back? We mentioned Henderson. Will it be Master Teague? Uh, there's a number of guys in that room. It's a full room. It's a room uh, with with talent. But they they've, they've got to get back, I think, to having that guy. And we saw it with uh, Trey Sermon at the end of the year uh, and how he was able to run. That they found that cowbell. And and so uh, while it's a full room at the running back, they've got to find somebody, whether it be Teague or Trey Henderson, to be the main the main uh, the main go to guy.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, I'm so I'm excited to see a lot of a lot. This Ohio State team, said Dion, like you said, has Haskell Garrett coming back, and you insert Jack Sawyer at the defensive end, and you got Zach Harrison, and Tyler they have, Friday like,
1: Tyreek Smith. Yeah, yep. and it's
0: gonna it's gonna be a stout defense. Like the front seven is gonna be outstanding for the Buckeyes next year. But based on these breakout players, based on everyone returning, a, a schedule is kind of tough. Oregon's could probably gonna be a very tough game, and I might even argue maybe the toughest game for the Buckeyes next year is this Oregon game. What is the ceiling and or floor going to be, in your opinion, right now for the 2021 Buckeyes team?
1: The ceiling here will always be to win them all. That's going to be the ceiling, to win them all, to go to the Rose Bowl, to go to the college football playoff, whatever it is. Um, And four straight Big Ten titles, that's what their goal will be. Oregon, there's no question that will be a tough game here. We, that's one we really missed from going there last year. That yeah. would have been a lot of fun. It would have been interesting to see how much Scarlet, the Buckeye fans who travel as well as anybody, would have put in that orange and – I'm sorry, in that <laughs> uh, yellow and green stadium yeah. in Hudson. Uh, so hopefully that game will be rescheduled as we come up. The game at Indiana will be obviously one that they'll want terribly. They played Ohio State as well as anybody last year here in Columbus, losing that game. Remember now, for two and a half quarters, that wasn't a ball game. But Michael Penix, how he brought them back and then how it got very intriguing down the stretch in the third and fourth quarter, that was obviously a, a very, very impressive game. Uh, and then you, you always got to figure going to Ann Arbor, you never take that one for granted. Look, I'm a kid of the 90s. I watched John Cooper lose to that team as many times as anybody when he shouldn't have. You never know how they'll react. But uh, Michigan's a different story. But again, at Indiana, to me, they'll open the year at Minnesota. I don't think that'll be a trap game, but breaking in a new quarterback, it'll be interesting. And then, yes, uh, the the Oregon game here in Columbus will obviously be the marquee one. Let's hope we play them all. Let's hope we can have some sort of uh, capacity in terms of a stadium. I'm not sure we'll get there. I know what the folks at Tuscaloosa said a few days ago, but I'm not sure we're there yet here in Ohio. Uh, but we'll keep our fingers crossed.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, even – I've I've been reading – I mean, even a 40 50% crowd would be amazing to see after a lot of stadiums had zero to just friends and family, so that's probably less than 5%. I mean, and I want to shift to the environment of Columbus, Ohio Stadium. What makes this city, this stadium, so unique, so special on game days?
1: Well, I think what makes the stadium unique – and when I went to school there in the late 90s, early 2000s, they had they were doing the add-on. You know, it's at 90,000 with the South Stands. Well, now the South Stands are permanent, closing in the horseshoe. There, there's the buildup around it, the amenities to it, the suites that have been added. That's taken it to another level. A home football Saturday in Columbus is a lot like any great home football Saturday in the South or anywhere in the country. It's about the tradition, the people, the excellence, the band. You know, we have become a college town that now has a pro team or two and the Blue Jackets and the crew, but we're still a college town, if that makes sense. The biggest game environments in Columbus, I've never been around anything like it. I'll never forget. the, The one that really pops out to me is in the early 2000s when they hosted Texas and Vince Young here. The year Texas went on to win the title. A year later, the Buckeyes repaid the trip down to uh, down to Austin and and beat number one Texas. Then, but that game had the feel to me of uh, of a major national champion type Rose Bowl setup almost, uh, where there were a hundred thousand people in the stadium and at least fifty thousand outside around tailgates. So it, it's a unique place. If you don't grow up here and really follow it, you might not appreciate it as much. Because I just feel like the history, you know, you kind of it's it's like that Notre Dame fight song. It kind of wake wakes up the echoes. You you feel the great tradition and and names from the past. You see the championships on the on the the northeast corner of the end zone. You see the Heisman winners. Um, it's a special place and, and, and it makes it special, especially. When you live it, when you grow up here, when you go through it, um, I'd put it up against any of the top five venues in the country on, on any Saturday. Obviously, if you're playing a Mac team on a Saturday, it's different than <laughs> if you got a, a top 10 showdown. Uh, I used to love night games at the horseshoe. I loathe them. As a member of the broadcast crew, because it's such a long day and the buildup right. and you'd rather play to me and our crew, we'd rather play noon games and, and be able to get out of there and, and have your day. But the environment at night when Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield came in a few years ago, it's just a, it's a real special thing. And my guess would be that Oregon would be a home night game here in 2021. Just a guess.
0: I hope so. I know. I know you said you you don't love those night games. I would love to see Oregon coming with those unique As uniforms a fan, under absolutely. the lights. Yeah,
2: that'd yeah, be absolutely. that'd
0: be a game right there. But I have to ask you. So we got two questions left here. One of these is loaded. One of these is about your career. As an Auburn alone, we talked before the show that any list of the greatest rivalries has two games at the top and whether they're one or two, it depends on who you're asking, with the third being Army, Navy, always coming right there behind. Iron Bowl versus the game, Michigan, Ohio State, which are you taking and
1: why? You think I'm an idiot? I'm taking the game. (laughs) What, are you kidding me? So let me me tell you about my times in the stadium for the game. And like I said, I've sat through a whole bunch of those damn gum losses in 1990 with Cooper (laughs) losing to Michigan. But probably the greatest moment – for me personally was in 98, well, 98 was my first year there um, uh, as a student for the game, as, as a freshman at Ohio State. But in 0-2 when Ohio State beat Michigan and John Navarre intercepting the last play to cap a perfect year to play Miami and win the national championship. My brother was a senior, uh, I'm a senior that year. My brother was a sophomore on the team. So th- that's been fun. Uh, the 6 game, number one, Ohio State, number two, Michigan, uh, I was just, I was convinced the Buckeyes were going to lose because Bo left us the day before. And I thought, well, it's, it's just going to happen. He's going to will them, and and God's going to find a way for Michigan to win the game with Bo's passing. And what a night. What a day. Buckeyes won 41 uh, 38. Uh, no, is that right? 42 39. 42 39. And, um, but yeah, the game, uh, well, we can agree to disagree. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but it's. Um, it's just in the blood, man. It's special. Yeah. I get, you got to put army Navy in there too. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's others, but for this sport, that's got to be, those have got to be certainly the top two or three.
0: Yeah. I would say those are the top three and I would put army Navy up there real high. That is one of my favorite games to watch. I gives really me chills. Gets there. Oh, it does every year. It, I don't care if they're both. 0 and 11 that <laughs> game's going on the TV and I'm taking my day to watch that one. But last Last question here, man. You've been working the sports scene in Columbus for a long time now. You've been to Ohio State as a student. You've been as a fan. You've now worked for Ohio State. What is your favorite, most memorable moment since you have been at Ohio State covering games?
1: it's uh, a good question. Uh, the atmosphere for, in 16, I returned back here to Columbus to do that. Uh, the atmosphere for the game in 17 when Oklahoma came to Columbus was really good. Ohio state lost the game, probably the win over, uh, probably the win over Michigan, um, uh, in urban's final home game. Um, that was a, a cold day. It was a fun day. It was the first time I covered the game because the first two years I covered the game, I was, uh, on assignment doing men's basketball, filling in for Paul keels on the road because the game was during a, a Buckeye basketball tournament. Um, so, so those have been those have been a couple of the memories. The Rose Bowl when Ohio State beat Washington a couple of years ago, that'd be probably at the top just in terms of non-Ohio State home games. Uh, the Rose Bowl is everything it's made out to be. To me, it's where every major game should be uh, at the end of every year. Now I get it. they got to spread it around. Miami was nice, whatever. Uh, New Orleans is good. <laughs> but the Rose Bowl, as a kid in Buckeye land, Anytime you can be there, it's just a real privilege and pleasure.
0: Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I have been saying that for the longest time. Every single national championship should be played in the Rose Bowl. I was lucky enough to see Auburn play one of their one of their championships. We lost that game. I would have loved to get a win in the Rose Bowl, but I'll take at least being there for once. But. Man, I had a blast on here talking all things Ohio State football. I'm going to give you a chance to plug all your social media, all the radio shows, where our fans (laughs) can find broadcasts. So I'll give you some time to do that now.
1: Well, I'm on social media at Matty AOSU, but I'm I'm kind of old school, man. If you can just tune in (laughs) and listen, that's great. We love what we do. Um, You know, Ohio State Baseball about to start, women's basketball – Buckeyes on OSU, IMG, Learfield College. The, the guys I work with in my crew are the best. Skip Mossick's our coordinating producer. Paul Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes. I've grown up listening to Paul forever. If you've not heard the man's tones, I mean, we're talking amazing, like on e- on Eli Goldpar. I mean, this guy's got it. Uh, Jim Lachey, uh, Skip Mossick, has mentioned. My crew's the best. My, my guys are the best. And, um, Zach, man, I really just appreciate you letting me uh, come on here and Spread a little Buckeye of love. Hopefully, I didn't create too many haters. A lot of love. We all love college football. We need it. We really need it. And we need to get yes. back to, hopefully, where we can where we can all be uh, right back where we want to be.
0: Hey, that's all i say. I mean, we were stressing there for a few months. We were, we're strictly college football podcast. We were like, what are we going to do without college football? We're going to have to cover something. And we had Paul on the podcast, I believe, just about over a year ago. We were just starting, and he took time out of his day to come on here and talk some Ohio State football. So he's a great dude, and we had a blast with him. But, man, I appreciate it. But, guys, this has been another episode in the Big Ten in 31 days. We'll we'll be back later this week with another episode. And, of course, y'all can catch the two-minute drill Monday through Friday on our YouTube channel. Been scrolling across the bottom all episode. But until later this week, guys, we have